Hi, I'm Stu Buchanan. You're listening to Out From Under on Resonance Extra, a programme which dives deep beneath the surface of the Australian music scene, celebrating experimental and eclectic music from the other side of the world. On this week's programme, we're talking to Newcastle's Cooper Bowman, a musician and artist and founder of the Australian cassette label Altered States Tapes. When I talk about Newcastle, I'm not talking about the one found on the Tyne in Northern England. I'm talking about one of the largest urban areas in the Australian state of New South Wales, second only to Sydney. Now, Newcastle is a very industrial city. It's actually the largest coal-exporting harbour in the world. And it's also something of a fertile breeding ground of weird music. It's got a great pockmarked history of bands and artists straddling punk, industrial, experimental and electronic music. Now, the Altered States Tapes label releases music across many of these genres, from artists such as Dead Boomers and Lisa Lerkenfeld, and international artists such as Beat Detectives and Opal Bow. Over the next hour, I'm going to be talking to Cooper about making music and making tapes, and pulling out a selection of tracks from the label's past, present and future, including a number of unreleased exclusives. And we're starting with one of those from an upcoming compilation called Pedestal Arts Estate. This is LST. Lizards strike thrice. So let's start by talking about the Altered States Tapes label, which you started, uh, I think, back in 2010. What gave rise to the label in the first place? 
It initially started when I first moved to Melbourne. Um, I hadn't ever made any music growing up in Newcastle. Um, so when I moved there, I started playing with some people and experimenting a bit more and doing my own recordings. And I just needed an outlet for it, essentially. Uh, there were I was inspired by a lot of local labels within Melbourne and Newcastle at the time that I uh, really liked a lot of the artists and projects on there, very grassroots uh, labels dabbling in punk and experimental music. So I just thought I would do it myself. And the first release was a split between myself and a guy from uh, from WA who's gone on to be quite a great producer since then. But, yeah, uh, it was just out of necessity more than anything. And I guess, you know, when it's out of necessity, that's why you would go for the more accessible tape format as opposed to trying to do it on vinyl or CD or anything like that. Well, yeah, it is definitely more accessible. I also, I have a love for the format outside of any necessity. I grew up with tapes being around and I still see it as a viable format regardless of that but yeah it is definitely more democratic it's more accessible having access to producing and often listening to tapes i think um so yeah that's what drew me drew me to doing tapes but what is it about the format per se that kind of wins out for you uh, from an aesthetic level it has a similar tangibility to vinyl in that it's two sides you know the things often people talk about with it but I like that they're kind of they're they're hearty. They're uh, they're a solid format. They're not going to degrade as much, you know. Obviously, with listens, they are, but they they hold up. You know, you can repair a tape as well. It's not like you scratch it um, and it's done. You can often you can tape it back together should you need to. And something about that appeals to me. It's kind of just this blunt object that's um easily transportable i still continue to listen to tapes on the train sometimes you know and it's not out of retro fetishism it's because that's what i have access to um and i think that that's why it's been a lasting format as well uh then obviously the sound quality is something and some certain kinds of music lend themselves to being on cassette and uh, experimental music often can sometimes it can blur it too much for my liking so i i do have a fine line with what i think sounds good on cassette but it can definitely make things sound warmer um and sound a bit more uh, genuine in the way that i would like them to sound uh, and yeah there's a hist there's a long history in australia as you would know of tape labels releasing experimental and post-punk music you sort of mentioned a little bit there about being inspired by bands and labels and so on, both in Newcastle and Melbourne. Were there any in, in particular that stand out for you? Yeah, definitely. Well, in Newcastle, one of the, the things that was basically formative in my listening habits was Spanish Magic, which was a label run by the guys from Castings, um, like a Sydney uh, sextet, I guess, if you want to call it that, but just a collective of like minds and they were figurative in my taste as a group and also in what they released and to show me that you could do these things. I first came into contact with them when I was about 17, so um, that was a pretty major moment for me. But, you know, and the things like there was a label in Melbourne called Magic Crowbar, which I, you know, I played with uh, Tommy for a while when I moved there and that shaped a lot of my taste as well and, again, piqued my interest in it um but then you know again like historical things like m squared terse tapes pedestrian tapes you can go further back and i got into a lot of that around the same time 
I mean, the volume of output is phenomenal. I mean, certainly for altered state tapes, but you know, for a lot of tape labels. And I wonder kind of how self-sustaining it is. Have you developed a sort of community that is large enough such that most releases sell well within the immediate network? That's definitely changed over the last nine years I've been doing the label. Um, you know, I've, I've never really, I think, broken even in anything that I've done because uh, I treat it as something that I choose to do it. I've often, you know, worked jobs while studying and things to sustain doing the label because uh, I think it's something that needs to be done. You know, there's music, especially within Australia, that would not be being heard otherwise, right? Mm. And that's why many of those other labels existed as well. Um, it is definitely, it, it can be more viable than a vinyl label. People are more inclined to buy vinyl, but obviously the uh, the cost output's higher. And I hate having to even think about these things as a you know a financial concern because I don't I don't consider it a business. I'm not a business person. I'm I run a tape label. You know, it's about making these things available. Um, and yeah, sure, there is there can be a higher turnout as a result of um, the cheapness of what you're producing and lower overheads means more people are going to buy it. So. I've never really struggled, I guess, with uh, moving tapes on. And a lot of the time I do, I do, you know, hook my friends up with tapes and things. And there's a good network overseas of people that I continue to trade with. And I've been exposed to a lot of great overseas music as a result. So you can't put a value on that either. I remember the first tape that I got from you, I think, way back in the day. And that was your traditional tape release that you clearly made yourself insofar as photocopy the sleeve and all the rest of it. I had a photocopier at home and I still, I still, uh, I, the only thing I don't do now is hand cut the sleeves. I still duplicate everything myself. I like to have my hands like involved in the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I do enjoy the process of doing it. Like when I generally do like the last year or two, when I've done tapes, I'll do six at a time, right? So that's about 300 tapes, right? So I'll do those in a night usually. I'll duplicate them all within a night and I'll package them up within that night. I'll put the stickers on them. It's, you know, it's a involved process and it takes time. But if you do it in a block, then you don't really notice and then you're happy it's all done and yeah.
for your 100th release and uh, congratulations on hitting 100 releases that's uh, that's a feat for any label but for your 100th release you went to vinyl for the compilation from the bottom of the earth to the top of the wazir I'd, I'd done a few seven inches in the past like two i think in the past on the label and like a couple of lathe uh cuts as well a seven and a twelve over the years um i just wanted to do something i wanted to be it was to, a celebratory act i guess i'm like well i've done a hundred releases so i'll do something a bit more special and i just wanted to do something that was uh a statement of people that I'd met through doing the label and whose music I was able to have some hand in, you know, putting further out there in some small way. And it was just, for me, it was, it was, uh, you know, again, like I probably lost a lot of money with that record, but it doesn't really matter because it has gotten good feedback. A lot of people overseas have heard it. And that's another thing with vinyl is um, some people are more likely to hear it as a result of it being, uh, having that investment in it, maybe, um, it seems like, you know, obviously with the times people are consuming things digitally more so, uh, but there is still kind of like a hierarchy of format maybe mm. with these kind of things and people are people were more likely to get into it, but I was just happy to have it done and I'm proud of yeah the way that it turned out, so that's good. There's a quote which I think you wrote with the description of the record which said that it made you reevaluate your understanding of music and it also reinforced your impetus for wanting to be involved. Yeah, well that that's something that I think is constantly under reevaluation if you're someone who overthinks things, which I've got, you know, a proclivity to do, but as well as um, you've invested so much of your time and life in doing these things and you wonder about how valid it is or, you know, uh, uh, circumstances have obviously shifted over time and trends and whatever and the label has also shifted in, in line with my tastes over time but there are things that are a constant and for me a constant was the idea of there being sort of a community without a boundary you know like it's not limited by say a gender or you know or even just necessarily a genre um, there's a, it's a breadth of genres even on that release, even though it's all electronic music, but I think it spans quite a gamut really. Um, and for some people that might seem, you know, like it's a bit inconsistent or something, but for me, that's the consistent message of the label is that there are, you know, there are all these things going on in Australia and for me, they occupy the same space, uh, aesthetically in a way it's, it's something about, Australian music historically and now as well where there's weird things happening and a lot of those people share very uh, like-minded tendencies in other aspects of their lives as well and for me that's important.
That's Tarkin Manek and Ying Li Hu and The Smoke in Your Eyes. It's taken from the 100th Altered States tapes release called From the Bottom of the Earth to the Top of the Wazir. You're listening to Out From Under on Resonance Extra. I'm Stu Buchanan. I'm talking with Cooper Bowman on this week's programme, the label manager for the Australian tape label Altered States Tapes. Here's another track from that upcoming Pedestal Arts Estate release. This is Orinoco Flow and Whistled Like a Rat. Thank you. 
obviously a lot of uh, releases on the upcoming slate. One of the ones uh, that you've got coming up is another compilation uh, where you mentioned called Pedestal Arts Estate. Can you talk about that, but also while doing so, sort of talk about your curatorial approach? I was initially going to do this compilation, Pedestal Arts Estate, to kind of just get rid of a lot of things that I've accumulated over the years of my own, like sort of jams with people that never amounted to anything, because um, there's a lot of them. And then I sort of just started reaching out to people that I've either worked with or I'm going to in future and just started accumulating more and more that it was just, it's getting ridiculous. Like it's a big compilation and I just ended up culling most of my things, which are the original things that were going to end up on there. So in terms of the, the curation of it, in the last few years, I've tried to sort of split it as evenly between Australian artists and international artists because I think that, you know, the, the focus really is on Australian artists generally, but there are like-minded people overseas as well, and that's where most of the, the listens come from. If you're going to look at the, you know, the analytics or whatever of it, uh, and that's kind of good. That's like that's exciting to me that people in, you know, Eastern Europe and wherever and Middle East, wherever, hearing this stuff that they otherwise wouldn't. But there's the, again, there's that common strain in a lot of that music. And I especially found that in some Polish electronic music. So I went to Warsaw a few years ago and met some cool people there. And, uh, and also, you know, and I've released, I released this guy Chino since then, who's going to be on the, on the compilation as well as he put me onto a guy called Dick Tando, who I'm doing a release for, and he's going to be on the comp. And they just, you know, they just seem like very, it's hard to tell by email with a lot of these things, I guess, but they seem like genuine interested people that share some some similar interests to myself and, and to me are in it for the right reasons. You know, they, they produce because they have to. Before we go on to talk about your own work, I wanted to pick up just on one of the bands that I know is coming up on Altered States tapes, um, which is an 80s synth punk band out of Newcastle, Grotesque Circular Dads. I don't know how I came across this. I feel like it has to do with uh, Mitch from Scattered Order. I think at some point, like, I guess, put up a video somewhere of these guys playing at the Newcastle Uni in the 80s. And I was like, what is this? You know, I don't, I didn't know much electronic music from here. There's, you know, there's the Limp who are affiliated with Pell Mell and that's about it. And there's not, there's not a great uh, wealth of stuff from Newcastle like that at the time, nor is there now really. But um, so of course, obviously I was interested immediately in it and I ended up tracking down uh, the guy from the, the group. It's a duo actually. Uh, I tracked down Column and he, he was really, you know, receptive. He was stoked that someone was interested in what, what they'd done. They never released anything. And so he, he was like, yeah, I've still got all these, I've got all these recordings. I've got this release that never happened. And he sent them to me and it's great stuff. Like it's very, it's, it's wild. It's demented music, but it's also got the classic synth pop sensibilities. And, you know, anyone I've showed it to, like people overseas and things and they're, they're, pretty pretty into it and as i'm stoked that it's something that's come from newcastle that's never been never been heard properly so it's exciting you know
TV. Schizophrenic Australians watching shows on Jap TV. Schizophrenic Australians watching shows on Jap TV. Let's move on a little bit from Altered States tapes uh, and talk a little bit about your own work. You have recorded under a variety of, of different names, uh, lots of different projects over the years. Your current solo work, though, that you release under your own name, you mentioned you've got um, a tape coming out soon on Not Not Fun out of LA. And I know that uh, recently, maybe a year or so ago, you did an installation work as well, your first art exhibition. I only started doing releases under my own name, kind of, Oh, well, you know, I've done a few over the years, but like a couple of years ago, I just decided to start doing it, even though I think for me, like no, no slight on anyone else. I found it to be like a weird self-indulgent move. I like hiding under, you know, pseudonyms, <laughs> the, hence the wealth of them that I've got. But uh, there's a few releases in there. Like I've normally just, I do something really quite quickly usually and then distance myself from it. Um, that's been my approach in the past with things. And there's very few things that I would, say a decent still well i don't mind that thing that i did for the the art exhibition it was just like a six tracks that looped as an installation in there uh, to go along with some sort of photocopied works that i had had at a gallery in melbourne uh which i guess you know were made initially as as ideas for tape covers or flyers or something like that so again it was born out of a, a kind of necessity i had to start making something to give the label a more consistent image. Uh, and so I, I like the way that sound. It's, it's like a pretty liminal kind of sound. And I've got something else in a, in a kind of vein of that that will eventually come out on Altered States tapes that's half done. Uh, it's like kind of like a long-form soundtrack-based work. It's called Miniola. Um, and that's like that was a test for me in actually applying myself for longer stretches recording. And that and this not not fun release have been quite heavily delayed because I I moved from Melbourne last year and it just sort of took a bit of a back seat. Yeah, as a result, like it's I've I've spent more time uh, thinking about it as well, which has been kind of good. It's been refreshing. It's rather than just doing something in a moment and then it's done, I've had to sort of have a more considered approach to what I'm doing. 
I'm still not completely sure about this not not fun tape. It's mostly done. I've been bouncing a lot of ideas around, but it's more of like yeah, I guess more of an ambient kind of tape, less less uh, rhythms involved than usual uh, than some of the other projects I've done in the last few years.
from the upcoming release Seabreeze Salute on Not Not Fun. That's Cooper Bowman and The Vapid Trap. Now, Cooper releases music under many different aliases, and we're going to listen to some of those over the rest of this week's program. Starting with this project, it's called Kneeling Knave, an upcoming cassette and 7-inch on the label Chondritic Sound. It's called Skin Presence. We're going to hear the track Derange or Damage. It sounds like you sort of move through a lot of those aliases as you maybe fall out of love with the idea and so on and, and move on to the next one, which I think is to be encouraged. You know, there's no point in hanging on to an alias or a project if you've uh, if you've fallen out in love with it. Tell us about Kneeling Knave and, and also why it's the next release might be the last one. That was, I guess, over time. I When I first started trying to make sort of more considered music, this is a long time ago, like probably when I first started Altered States Tapes, um, I wanted to make something that sounded like this release called Dead Tech. He did like one cassette in the 80s, and I just wanted it to sound like that. It was a kind of rhythmic power electronics industrial kind of sound, and I just think he nailed it. He nailed it perfectly, and I was never able to achieve that, and I kind of I ended up having enough of the equipment and, and I guess, vague know-how to be able to do that. And then I, I started doing Kneeling Nave, and 
I probably only played, I don't know, seven or eight shows. It wasn't a great thing for me to want to do live because it involved uh, me doing vocals. And I noticed people pay a lot more attention to you if you're doing vocals than just twiddling knobs. And I didn't like uh, the attention necessarily. Like the people considered it more performative and I don't think that – I feel like that was kind of missing the point. For me, it's always been about the end sound, right? Mm. And um, so it wasn't really working as a liar live outlet for me I, you know i played some interesting shows which was cool and but the recordings I, the recordings are all right and it seems like a lot of people in russia seem to really like it so i'm doing something <laughs> right there yeah if you're gonna believe the stats but um <laughs> um the stuff's been sitting there for probably two years it's been recorded um and yeah it's only just coming out now which i, I sort of had apprehensions i was like does, does the world really need this it's it's the kind of music that could easily be interpreted uh, as being aggressive or something or negative, which it really isn't, despite the way it sounds. Uh, I want to clear that up. That's an important thing for me to clear up because more about my own experience in basically volunteering and uh, also being a, a you know client of mental health services in Australia and just uh, sort of the things people experience that they might not otherwise. So it's... It, in a way, you could see it. That's what I never wanted it to be is an exploitative uh, process where something like I, I have a lot of time for SBK and they've obviously been a big influence for me over time, but I always thought that it was kind of fetishizing and I wanted to give sort of an honest, you know, an honest voice to it. Uh, and I guess that's where it gets that kind of dark sound from. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just was like, I don't know if this really needs to come out because I'm so far distance from that now. Like, I'd like to make music that's sort of a bit more positive in a complicated way <laughs> or something, you know, like uh, rather than just this, yeah, this thing that you can sort of look at on face value. But I think I still think it stands up. do want to talk about a couple of the other projects that you've got coming down the pipeline the first one is uh, what you've described as a live hardware duo called sap yeah see that's i'm kind of excited about that but again it's sort of like it ended it's ended up being in this really weird weird kind of what could be a dark sound i guess um this is a duo i'm doing with a friend from sydney uh chris collar uh he's a great guy very, you know, like, and I think as much as the the recording and the music is a part of it, it's. I really like when projects are an extension of a friendship and all of the things that happen outside of that. So, it, you'd hope that that was sort of captured somewhat in what you're doing, and uh, he's he's come from like a background playing, you know, mostly in sort of punk post punk bands, you know, some Sydney groups like Orion, Low Life, those kind of bands. But he uh, he started. Forming and he's gonna he's gonna do a tape on altered states eventually under his own solo guys as debris and I don't know I just saw his stuff and I was like I really I, he has a lot of the similar taste to to me with what electronic music he likes which is pretty niche really and so yeah we just started playing together and we, we recorded a release over about two or three months and it's coming out in a month or two on a German label Total Black and it's yeah it's sort of taking elements from uh, you know, experimental music and minimal wave and like a lot of the things we like, but it's a pretty, it's a weird listen. It's challenging. And I think that that, again, 
it's good. A lot of people might not like it, but I'd rather have like a strong <laughs> negative reaction than no reaction. <laughs> What about the Project Troth? Does that have more of a kind of positive outlook to it? Well, SAP, SAP is positive and there's, <laughs> there is positive chaos. You, know, you just need to acknowledge. Uh, yeah, Troth is like, I'm just doing that with my, my partner who, you know, um, she's a Newcastle musician who does really quite interesting stuff, especially for Newcastle at the time. It's She's kind of like an outlier here. And um, 
you know, it's 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 slowly gestating. Like we're going to do some gallery shows and stuff. There's no pressure involved. It's just again, it's an extension of a relationship. You know, which I think for me is exciting. Uh, we just record when we feel like it, and um, you know, just try and learn some different things off each other's approaches. And it's more, yeah, more abstract, more more involved with like our experiences going out and getting into nature and things, which is something I'm increasingly more interested in than sitting in the dark with the synths. There's a really great conservation park in Newcastle that we want to do some recording in, in Glenrock. We've also got, there's this really great, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but there's this abandoned railway tunnel in the bush here, Thurnley Track. And so when I first started spending time with her, that was, that was like us going on dates. We just went and recorded these unamplified synths in this tunnel and people like riding their bikes through and thinking it's pretty weird i guess (laughs) um but there's some great the acoustics in this place are phenomenal so yeah hopefully hopefully we can sort of um make something out of all of that That's an unreleased track from one of Cooper Bowman's many collaborative projects. That's Troth and Drek in solemn dub. We've been listening to music from Cooper Bowman and from his label Altered States Tapes right across the program this week. Check out alteredstatesofsound.blogspot.com for more details about the label. That concludes this episode of Out From Under. Thanks to Cooper Bowman and thanks to Peter and the team at Resonance FM. You can find program notes at bit.ly slash outfromunderradio. That's bit.ly slash outfromunderradio. If you missed any of the episodes in this season, you can find them all as podcasts. Listen and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Out From Under. You can keep in touch with the program by following me on Facebook at Stu Buchanan AU. I also post on Twitter and Instagram as Stuart Buchanan. We're back again in seven days. Thanks for listening to Out From Under. Mm-hmm.